It is so good to see you. Thank you for being here today. We have enjoyed celebrating together already. What a joy it is to get together like this and enjoy each other and enjoy God and all that he's done for us. I'm excited about today. We are starting a new series called How? Simple Instructions, Practical Steps. If you were here last week, at the end of the message, I told you that this was a series that I felt prompted to swap out for what I had planned. I had a three-week series planned, but because the last series about being a life all about Jesus and some of the challenging concepts that Jesus brings us, not only the concepts that are challenging to our minds, but the very challenge itself to be all about him. Isn't it interesting that he's very uh, free with that challenge over and over and over again, challenging us to be living a life that's all about him and how costly that is. Well, some of those concepts are tough for our minds to get a hold of and even tougher for our lives to get a hold of in uh, the way that Jesus is calling us. So I thought we need to follow up that series with something that's a little bit more simple and helps us stay on course in this life that's all about Jesus. And so the challenge for me was, okay, in three series, which simple, basic things are you gonna get a hold of? Well, I just wanna get us started on this course and to kind of follow up on this course for us. And so I've picked these three topics. On the screen is week one, that's today, how you can pray with confidence. Week two, next week, how you can love by faith and week three, how you can be filled with overflowing joy. So you can see why I'm excited about this series. It's great, basic content. If we get a hold of these three, three things, we're really doing well walking in the steps of Jesus. So let's begin. How you can pray with confidence. I'm going to start with a quote from Billy Sunday. This is a long time ago when he said this on the screen. If you are strangers to prayer, you are strangers to power. If you are strangers to prayer, you are strangers to power. I'm tempted to just give you example after example after example of powerful answers to prayer, but I had to eliminate a lot of things today to get everything I want to say in. Let me just put it this way. So many of us believe in the power of prayer. Now, that being true, I have this question I want to ask you. If we believe in the power of prayer, why is it that so many of us have difficulty developing a well-practiced habit of praying? There's a difference between believing in prayer and developing a well-practiced habit of praying. Now, that was a question. I do have an answer. I think the reason, although we believe in the power of prayer and we still struggle to pray as much as we say we believe in it, is that we have a very real enemy that believes in the power of prayer. And this enemy has forces, rulers and authorities and powers of darkness, spiritual forces of evil that come against us and we can't see them. And so, because they know prayer is so powerful, they're absolutely committed to gutting the power of our prayer life for their own sakes 
And so they are throwing at us every temptation imaginable to keep our prayer life as weak as possible. Now, I would like to follow that up with a quote from Corey Tenboom on the screen. When a Christian shuns fellowship with other Christians, the devil smiles. When he stops studying the Bible, the devil laughs. When he stops praying, the devils shout for joy. I guess there's a typo there. Good luck finding it. Okay. Um, that was Corey Timboom, and she says this for good reason. Some people don't like it when these kind of quotes come up because they say, well, that's not biblical. Well, she says it for good reason, and it is based on biblical principles. So this is not on the screen. Let me just read for you a few sampling of verses from Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Verse 18, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. So it's a very Bible foundational concept that we've got to develop a well-practiced life of prayer to win the battles that are coming against us, to experience the power that God has in mind, to see God's kingdom expand and really take over territory that has been given over to the darkness and then bring about the expansion and growth of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And so you can see why this is so, so important for us. Now, I know that sometimes people have this reaction. Those who are seasoned in the faith and very familiar with Ephesians 6 go, you're, yep, you're right. Others who hear this for the first time, they're even less confident about praying. Rather than more confident, they're more intimidated. What? We're praying against devils and Satan and demons and these are real? Uh, I believe them to be real because Jesus, the Son of God, believes them to be real. And I'm gonna go with a guy that can predict his own resurrection and uh, his worldview is correct. I'm just gonna go with that assumption. And if this is correct, we need to understand this worldview and learn how to pray the way he teaches us how to pray, okay? So rather than get less confident when suddenly we're talking about realms unseen and temptation coming against us and real battles that are behind the battles of life, those very temptations that are causing you to have difficulty, rather than get less confidence about praying, let's begin to get more confident about praying. So I know this is about how you can pray with confidence, but we're gonna start with why. Point number one, why you can pray with confidence. The rather lengthy letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament tells us all about why you can be confident praying. We're gonna jump right into where the word confidence is used in Hebrews 4, verse 16, where we read, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. This is describing enter into the intimacy of prayer, that we can go right into the throne room by faith in prayer before God on his throne and enter with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. 
Now, the context that it, this verse comes in is really a long and detailed explanation of who Jesus is and what he has done, and it's because of who Jesus is and what he has done that we can have this confidence, personal confidence, to enter into the throne room of God, which people didn't have confidence to do this beforehand until after what Jesus has done. So just a quick review. Jesus is the son of God. He's the prophet, the priest, and king. There is no human individual that could have all three of those offices but Jesus, who is fully God's son and fully the son of man. And as our high priest, he actually opened up this access for us individuals to enter into the holy of holy places, if you think in terms of the Old Testament temple, into the very presence of God, and hence his throne room, because the high priest offered himself as the fulfillment of all the Old Testament sacrifices. And so his sacrifice was victorious in opening the real way, which every other sacrifice was just a shadow picture of what was to come. And Jesus finally opened the real way and the temple curtain between the outer and the inner. The barrier between the Holy of Holies was ripped from the top to the bottom when Jesus died on the cross. And so it opened an access for each of us to enter in. Let me just talk about this a little bit. Jesus paid the redemption price for us to be set free from all the powers of darkness. And that redemption price is the same price that is our adoption price. That we are adopted into a family relationship through Jesus the Son when we unite with Jesus. So if you were with us in our last series, we are united with Christ. And now we can enter in with confidence because the redemption price is the adoption price and united with Jesus, we are sons and daughters of God. And so even if you're a king, even if you're a president, even if you're God Almighty, the Heavenly Father makes room for his children, no matter how weak, no matter how young, and knock, 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 can I talk to you, Daddy? Oh yeah, hold on, everybody. Come on in and you could have confidence before a family relationship and talk to God. This is beautiful stuff, but I'm going to ask a question to make sure we understand what it means. Here's the question. How do you know God listens to your prayers? How do you know God listens to your prayers? Heads up, I'm about to make a controversial statement. Hang with me. Contrary to popular opinion, God does not listen to everyone's prayers. There are many passages of scripture, just like these two examples that I'm about to read, that let us know that he does not listen to everybody's prayers. I know that's controversial, but that's Bible. Here we go. Isaiah 1.15, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I'm not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Isaiah 59.1-2, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ears dull that it cannot hear. 
but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Okay? Now, don't make the mistake of thinking, well, that's all Old Testament. And now in the New Testament, he listens to everybody. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount teaches very clearly about those people who at judgment say, Lord, Lord, didn't we pray this in your name? Didn't we do this in your name? He says, get away from me. I never knew you. There is a separation from those whose prayers are not heard and those whose prayers are heard. Now, let me clarify. God listens to everyone's broken and repentant heart when you're praying a prayer to come back to God. Everyone can repent and come back to God. The prayers he does not listen to are the prayers of a hardened rebellion and religious words spoken and religiosity and even false belief about prayer and self-centered, hypocritical prayers that are being offered and offered and offered when there's no intent to repent and turn and live the life that God is asking us to live. That's a huge difference. So there's a separation. So let's just put it on earthly terms. All of us who are parents, we know that there's positive reinforcements and there's negative reinforcements that we apply to bring about the kind of behavior we want in our children to do well as parents. What father would positively reinforce prayers of rebellion when the rebellious heart is busy in that rebellion and asking self-centered, hypocritical prayers and no intent on coming before God in a changed life? So now you understand that there is a type of praying that separates us when it, here's in popular culture, when we buy into the popular version of Christianity, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus and I've been forgiven. And then you live a life of hellion, do your own thing, call your own shots, and then point back to when you're baptized as if it's insurance to cover every sin and pray every time you're in trouble and Count on these verses to say, I'm praying in Jesus' name, and think that he's hearing. I'm just asking you to reconsider your heart and where you are with God. And how does prayer work? Question. Has your separation been removed by Jesus? Has your separation been removed by Jesus? Ephesians 2.13 reads, But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Make sure you understand what that means and that you have the blood of Christ applied to you and you have committed to him as you've received his commitment to you. Okay, we watched four baptisms last week. We're watching that commitment take place in a beautiful way where there's a union with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus displayed for us and a commitment made that that union is real for you. That's positionally entering into Christ. This next verse is maintaining that position with your actual condition this way. 1 John 1, 9. 
But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all wickedness. So there is no sin that you can feel like, I can never pray and ask for forgiveness anymore. I'm just, I'll just simplify. There's, you know, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, et cetera, et cetera. There is that unforgivable, unforgivable sin. Let me just put it simply. If you want to be forgiven and you repent of your sin, you can ask for forgiveness. You're blaspheming the Holy Spirit when you don't even want forgiveness and you don't even see that Jesus is who he is. That's a different subject. Maintain your position in forgiveness. Let Jesus separate, uh, remove your separation between you and him. That's why we can enter into confident prayer. Now let's turn to how. Point number two. Prayer is communication. We've got to understand what it is first to know how to do it. Prayer is communication. Every good relationship has good communication. Some of you are squirming. You know, every good relationship has good communication. Prayer is you and God talking because you love each other. I love what Max Lucado said on the screen. Don't worry about having the right words. Worry more about having the right heart. It's not eloquence he seeks, just honesty. Communicate from the heart, the way you talk. Prayer is good communication. Now, prayer is not reserved for emergencies. Some people think, yeah, I don't want to bother God. He's too important. I, I, but this is important to me. I'm going to go ahead and bother him. You know, we just wait till it gets on the high-level importance list. No, 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 no. Let's just uh, make sure we understand. This is not on the screen either. The Apostle Paul instructed the church in Thessalonica, pray continually. He instructed the church in Philippi, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So it's like a really good relationship. You talk a lot about important stuff, about any stuff, because you're close, okay? Now, if you only pray when you are in a bind, you're treating the power of prayer like a spare tire. And I want you to see it differently. Prayer is not a spare tire, it's more like the steering wheel. You ready? Proverbs 3, 6. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. A reliable steering wheel. Just keep acknowledging God in all your ways. Just keep talking to him. I'm I, working on my habit of prayer, and I've developed a morning habit, that that's my main prayer habit, but then I realize, I, and I kind of look at it as filling up my tank, you know, literally like gas in my tank, and I realize that with consistency, I'm running out of gas right around after lunch. So I set my phone to a little alarm, remember, and it's this verse that prompted me to do that, acknowledge him in all your ways. That's like I need another little fill up. And then I, I just go ask again. I'm, you're big, I'm small, you're wise, I'm dumb. I need your help. And fill me up, give me what I need now in the afternoon, and then keep, keep going, okay? In John 10, 27, we read, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Good communication is two-way communication. It takes practice to learn how to pray and listen, 
Okay? And the more I've developed my habit of prayer, the more I'm learning how to listen to the voice of Jesus. Now, clarity here. I don't hear an audible voice of Jesus. At least not yet I have not. But it, hears, it feels to me more like a whispered thought. And I'm beginning to get a hold of this. But when you talk about a whispered thought, here's a really important thing to hang on to about whispers. To hear a whisper with clarity, you have to be close and you have to be quiet. How many times do you allow for close communication with God and space and quiet? Prayer is not just la 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 some of my conversations are that way. People that say I talk too much and I got to not do that with God as well. That's not frequent, by the way, because I use most of my words on Sundays. Anyway. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. This is happening a little bit more now in my life, and I think it's because I'm really working on developing my practice prayer life. I'm hearing more things, I'm learning more things in ways that are different than I used to hear and learn, because before it was just search, 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 research, study, 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 search, research. Now I'm praying, 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 and I'm getting stuff that really excites me when it isn't just by hard work, but it's by being close and quiet. It's like, whoa, that's a new one. I'm really excited when that happens. I would encourage you to develop your prayer life to hear those whispers. Now, we've looked at how how Jesus is why you can pray with confidence. We've looked at prayer is communication. Let's go to number three, top requirement for effective praying. The top requirement for effective praying, I'm going to just point to John 15, 7. It reads, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. So the operative question is, what does this mean? If you remain in me and my words remain in you. For today, I'm just going to point to that verse and it's deep and it's powerful and it's meaningful, come back for week three. We're going to spend more time in this passage when we talk about overflowing joy because it comes together with that, okay? But I'm going to hit a, a related topic that's it's similar way of saying the same thing but slightly different, and you're familiar with this, John 14, 14. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So let's clarify here. If you add the tagline to any of your prayers in Jesus' name, Lord God, would you just please send a buyer for my house that offers me double its worth (laughs) in a cash offer so that I can in Jesus' name. Okay, so... He could pull that off, but is that what this is talking about? No. 
What is this talking about? This is not a tagline we offer to any prayer we can think of. And it's, you know, the tagline in Jesus' name is kind of like an over and out, amen. That is not what this is about. When we're praying in Jesus' name, first of all, when we pray as Jesus taught us to pray, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. What are we praying? We're honoring the person of God. Name and character are one and the same. When we honor the name, and we have many names of God, we are learning about who he is, and we honor who he is. That's his name. He's not like us where he lacks integrity, and who we call ourselves is not who we are in certain settings. His character, his name, and who he is all match. And so when you pray according to who he is, what he's done, what is his desire, what is his purpose, how do I honor him in his name, whatever that prayer that you're praying, he'll do. Do you see the difference? It's learning the heart of God so well that you hear his heart. I pray this now. In the Lord's Prayer, I get to the part about give us today our daily bread. And I thank him for the provision that he gives, the jobs and the income and the physical provision. But then I move it to Jesus who says he's the bread of life. Thank you for giving me bread of life. Thank you for giving me the life that I need for, for energy for today in the kingdom, for my spirit. Fill my spirit with your spirit for my soul. Fill my, my mind, my will, my emotions with your thoughts, your desires, the way you feel. Give me that daily bread so that I can pray in accordance with your name, your will, your thoughts, that I might delight in you and delight in pleasing you and that kind of praying. You pray and you begin to pray this way, your life gets really exciting fast because you're no stranger to power. You're praying and things are happening. You're praying and answers are coming. You have done everything you know how to do to remove every barrier between you and God and through Jesus' shed blood, that's covered and removed. There's no sin you can think of that you haven't confessed and you keep confessing your weakness and confessing your sin and being covered and you repent every day. So on and so forth. And so power is coming your direction. I know I'm talking about how to pray, but today is mostly about motivating you and giving you motivation to move beyond just, oh yeah, I believe in the power of prayer, but working on the practice of developing this power of prayer. Now, I want to go a little bit further with this. You ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. I know those of you are young people, you guys don't even know what a check is. Is, but I'm going to put a check on the screen as a visual. Uh, I'm so clever. I put pray to the order of instead of pay to the order of. I'm sure I didn't get this on my own. Um, and I remember as a high schooler how 
Honored I was that my employer gave me a signed check that was blank to take somewhere to purchase what needed to be purchased for the job. That was trust. Either that or I shouldn't be so honored. It's like, do I want to go to jail? You know, I wasn't thinking. It's just like incredible trust. But Jesus is entrusting us with a blank check to pray in his name. What that means is pray according to what he would ask for, what he specifically wants. And we're taking that check and beginning to pray into his kingdom and his will for my life, for my marriage, for my family, for my kids, for my church, for my city, for my state, for my country, for the world, for his kingdom. And that kind of praying is a blank check where you can begin to see powerful things taking place as the Spirit of God leads you to be praying for these things. Incredible. Now, I want to move to application. That was mostly motivation. Um, If you take a look at the paper version of the outline today, it looks like this, and you flip it over to the back side, put on your glasses, your really good glasses, because this doesn't look normal. We had to make a really small print. If you use our YouVersion events outline at the bottom of the outline, the same information should be there. I haven't checked it myself. It should be there for... The answer to the question of the disciples to Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. Remember, they didn't ask, teach us what to pray. They said, teach us how to pray. And Jesus says, this is how you should pray. Here's the Lord's model prayer in outline. Use it as an outline on how to pray. And I've given you some specific ideas. So whether you do this in a big group or a small group or your your small group, you do this together, I want you to do this on your own, not once, but to develop your life of prayer. Uh, Hint, it would be really good to have the Lord's how to pray model memorized eventually so that you can be anywhere and pray according to the outline. Pray one phrase and then make the applications and pray the next phrase and make those prayers follow up and so on and so forth. And this will give you a tool to make that happen. Now, that's as far as I was hoping to take you today. And I'm congratulating myself. These minutes I want you to put in the bank for later. Okay? Um, I, I can't wait to keep moving forward with these simple suggestions. Now, let me just end the way Jesus does. Those of you who have ears to hear, let him hear. You've heard a message. If you go away and say, that was really good, and you don't use this outline, and you don't develop your practice of praying beyond where it is now, you won't remember this message. But if you decide you would like to experience more power in your life, and by the way, and more joy, (laughs) and more togetherness, and more happiness, and more everything, it's like I'm trying to set you on the course of what it looks like to have a really personal relationship with Jesus Christ where he loves you and you know it. You love him and he knows it. And it's daily and you both know it. And there's nothing that's separating you from him. And you know what to do when something does separate you from him. And the spirit is talking to you loud and clear when something is not right in your attitude. This is the path. I urge you, do something beyond 
say, oh, that was good. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us as your children. Thank you for your plan that included incredible pain. Lord Jesus, thank you for taking on your suffering and paying the price. We thank you for adopting us into your family and way beyond that, empowering us with your spirit, walking with us and helping us every step of the way. We praise you. Help us to enjoy this effort to increase our habit of praying in some way to honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, crud, I'm down to two minutes in the bank. Okay, so prayer team to the left of the stage, prayer for you about anything that you would like to pray about. And usually I say I'll see you next week, but I'm hoping I'll see you tomorrow night for a great celebration together. See you here tomorrow night. God bless.